A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, Tim Sylvie here. And today, listeners, I'm flying solo as Tom is tied up. But fear not, we'll be back to full strength again soon. But in the meantime, we're here once again to chat with a racing driver from the United States of America. And the US is finally embracing Formula One in a big way. And next year, we'll see three F1 races in the States with Austin, Miami, and Vegas added to the calendar. We've just had news this week that Logan Sargent has joined the Williams Racing Team after picking it up picking up enough super license points so things are looking very rosy indeed and with that in mind it just felt right to bring an american driver onto the show and we're doing just that with colorado-born sabra cook she's most familiar to our uk fans as part of the w series lineup where we've seen her on the podium and we're here to learn about her life career thoughts and opinions sabra welcome to the motormouth podcast how are you I'm great. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. I have to first ask if I'm pronouncing your name right, because I've not <laughs> I've not come across another Sabra, if that's the correct way to say it. It it is right. I'm actually very impressed. It is Sabra. Good, good. Uh, you must get a few variations of like Sabre and various other. Oh things. yeah, yeah. Especially in the UK, I think I think Sabre is the usually the go-to. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with Sabra. I feel like I'm nailing that. Is that an unusual name in the States or is is it, where's that come from? Yeah, it's not, it's not American. Like it's, it's a, it's a name that one of my mother's friends named her daughter and she wanted a different name Yeah, and she got it. So yeah, I, I've met maybe one other person in my life named Sabra. Do you like having an unusual name? The reason I ask is because my youngest, I've got three kids and the youngest one is called Elif. E-L-I-F, oh, which nobody I've has heard, heard of. That. No, and, unless you're in Turkey or somewhere in, in Arabia where it's relatively common. It means like slender or something. But my wife, who spent a lot of time in Turkey, they couldn't say her name, which is Chloe. So they nicknamed <laughs> her Elif. And it's such a pretty name that we thought, screw it, let's just use it. But the amount of times we're like, her name's Elif. Yes, Elif, E-L-I-F. Like, Elif? No, it's Elif. It's uh, frustrating, but now, do you enjoy having an unusual name now you're an adult? Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually enjoyed it as a kid, too, Good just because, to like, you know, it's not like Sarah, and it's like, well, which Sarah do you want to 
Paul on. So I, I, yeah, I don't mind it. Good. Good to hear. Puts my mind at ease. Now, uh, where are you dialing in from today? Uh, I am in Indianapolis, Indiana right now. Ah, the home of US racing. Very good. Um, yes. But let's take it right back to the start. You're from Colorado originally. What, what's the racing yep. scene like there? I, I know that there was a little bit of interest in your family early on, but where did the interest for you first show itself in motorsport? Oh, in motorsports. Well, I actually have a picture of me at three months old sitting on my dad's motorbike. So it started quite young. Um, my, my dad used to race motocross and supercross professionally, and he and my mom used to put on supercross races in our hometown. And we were, they were about ready to, to host the one that weekend. And then my mom went into labor Oh my God. and had to be taken to the hospital. So my dad ended up coming from the supercross track and I was born on the, on the weekend that they were hosting the race. So I would say, yeah, I wow. was, I was pretty much cemented in right away. And I actually rode a motorcycle before I ever drove a go-kart. Oh my God. So did your, did your dad leave the race immediately upon receiving the phone call or was it like just hang on darling I'm just gonna just gonna finish this race and I'll be with you in a couple of hours no no he left like immediately good that's what we like to hear now you went through the karting route the sort of traditional route into motorsport um I think you were 17 when you first got your seat time in a in a full-on racing car um how did you go about it at that point what was the the procedure for getting into cars because it's Go-karting's not cheap, even at the, you know, the lower levels. It's, I don't know what it's like in the States, but over here you can easily spend £150,000 a year doing competitive go-karting. How did you go about transitioning from go-karts into cars for the first time? Um, it was extremely difficult. Um, I did get to do like a couple one-off test days when I was about 16, 17 in the old Skip Barber cars but I actually didn't ever race my first car until I was almost 23 years old right. because it was so expensive to, to make that transition in karting. I you know built up a reputation. I was mostly running off of sponsorship money and brand deals, like giving, given the cards and the engines. So it made it a, a big jump to try and raise, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to go into, into car racing from that. Um, but eventually I did meet um, a great connection of mine who's also still one of my sponsors today um, put me in one of his race cars uh, in Pennsylvania, actually, and uh, tried to adapt as fast as I could. It was a uh, spec racer Ford was the first race car that I raced. Uh, it's very different. It's I don't know, in the middle of the car and I'm going to have open. to Google it. I'm going to Google it while it's, you're talking. Well, so funny. Spec racer Ford. Yep. Spec racer Ford. Okay. And so this, so this is what, like, what, what would the equivalent, uh, you said there's no equivalent, but I guess it's, is it, are we talking downforce here? Are we talking wings and? No, no, it doesn't really have a wing. The body is very, it's shaped very aerodynamically. Oh, I got so yeah. It's, it's, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've got it. I found similar it. Similar to like, um, like a, a Miata would be the kind of like, like the spec Miata, like, but that would be the closed yeah. version of it. So this is like the, the open version. They look small. Are they small? They're pretty small. Um, I mean, they're the size of like a, I would say an entry level. Like they're, they're probably shorter than an F4 car, but yeah. like, you know, F1600 cars or like an, an FE2 car, they're about the same like length yeah. wise, but. They look a yeah, little bit like, um, there's a place near, near where I live actually um, called Palmer Sports, which is run by Andy Palmer. And um, they have these little, they don't look dissimilar to this. They're, they're, they're like 
little prototype cars, little sort of LMP cars. But with two kind of like seasons. radicals? Yeah, like a radical, mm -hmm. but a little bit smaller. Similar kind of thing. So we're, we're, it's, uh, yeah, you could, I guess it's a single seater, but it, you have, there's a lot of car there, isn't there? There's a, yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you sit in it, there's probably, I could sit on like one other of me on each side of me yes. because it's such a wide cockpit area. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you've got into these cars, but you're not racing until 23. So how did, so mentally, what are you thinking at that point between sort of 17 years old, hopping into a, um, a, a single seater or a race car, and then you've got to wait another few years before you actually race competitively. Are you, are you sort of thinking, well, this is a nice hobby, or, or are you just really trying to keep yourself together and positive and think, I, I can make a career of this? I'm definitely trying to keep positive. I knew that racing was still like my number one passion and what I wanted to do. I just, at the time, I didn't have a lot of know-how on how to put those sponsorship pieces together uh, in order to make it to the next step, you know, using my network to the best of my ability to make that sort of opportunity happen. Uh, I was also going to school. I decided to go to college. So, um, well, I guess over there, you guys call it, it's university. Yeah. So, it's, uh, it, yeah, I went four and a half years for my mechanical engineering degree and, and was finishing that. I actually finished that the same year that I uh, raced a car for the first time. So I was, I was doing both lots of busy with school and with, uh, with racing the carts, but yeah, it was, uh, it was hard to stay positive at times, but I was just trying to figure out ways to adapt the way I was approaching sponsorship or making new connections to eventually get me into a, into a race car, which is. And how did you, on the sponsorship side, you know, which is incredibly challenging for any racing driver, let alone someone just starting up their, their career, how did you go about it? Did you know what to do? Did you get any guidance? Because it's hard to stand out from the crowd, isn't it? And, and make yourself the one that people invest their hard-earned money into. Before we get into it, a really quick message. This show has grown into something far bigger that we ever imagined. It's been a huge honor to chat with F1 world champions like Nico Rosberg, legends like Mario Andretti, Jody Schechter, and Gerhard Berger. People right at the top of the sport like the brilliant Gunter Steiner and current stars like Alex Albon, Lucas Degrassi, and Tatiana Kolon. It really is a privilege. But without you, we wouldn't be able to continue. And without sponsors, we couldn't bring you the stories from the inner workings of the sport we all love. With that in mind, I'm over the moon to have F1 Experiences back with us to support the show for season 13. It's really important to us that we align with brands that are relevant and can add value to you. F1 Experiences is the official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula One. And it's the closest thing you can get to the pinnacle of motorsport. You can book with them today. With F1 Experiences official ticket packages coming direct from Formula One, you can get unique access that simply isn't available anywhere else. For more information on how you can book your F1 Experience, visit f1experiences.com, where you can also save 5% on your very own F1 Experience package by using the code MMPODCAST when checking out online. Good things come to those who listen to the Motormouth Podcast. Don't say we don't treat you well. So, what are you waiting for? The 2023 F1 season will be here before you know it, so go get booking your F1 Experience today with f1experiences.com. It's, uh, I won't lie, it is one of the hardest things about being a racing driver, hands down, like whether you're male or female, like obviously being a woman sets you apart, but 99.6% of sports sponsorship a year goes to men. 
So there's a very small portion that companies are willing to invest in women right now. So you have to kind of overcome that hurdle and then just learning how to, you know, speak to an audience, how to tailor things to, to direct it to where you offer the kind of program that each dis different individual sponsor is going to want to look at. So there's just so many pieces that I honestly learned from trial and error or from like asking other people, maybe like, well, how do I do this? Or what do I do now? And my dad um, is also a commercial real estate agent. So, you know, he had experience with business transactions and dealing with people and networking. So he would help me quite a lot with like saying, okay, well, maybe you can do this or that. And um, when I was younger, like, you know, I would be like, I would make my little sponsorship packet and he would like help me like, like, oh, well, let's change this. And so it was very much uh, a, a group effort in the beginning, but eventually I just kept, you know, trial and error and looked at see what happens and had some great mentors along the way. But uh, yeah, I wish, I wish there wasn't so much trial and error yeah. and I could have known what I know now back then. Yeah, it's difficult. I think one of the, one of the things I think I see a lot of young drive the mistakes that young drivers make when it comes to sponsorship is going after the big fish straight away. You know, if you, if you're a 19 year old racing driver, you know, with no real proven track history, and you're going after Samsung, you're just not going to get it. Um, but there are lots of small companies out there, local companies or national companies, who may put you know ten, twenty thousand pounds in or dollars and you get three or four of those and all of a sudden you're, you're heading towards a race budget. So did you have outside of your dad at that point, were you getting any kind of management advice? Did you have a manager or are you doing this just off your own back? Um, no, I didn't have a manager um, until in 2013. I actually met Lynn St. James for the first time and she actually offered to take over managing me and she managed me for about a year. Um, and then we went kind of back to just doing it on our own. And then um, there was like another management company that came in, you know, they're going to work off commission. Don't work. Obviously it doesn't work. And then, uh, then I had like, you know, another person come in and say, Oh, well, we'll be your manager off retainer. And like that didn't work. I had a UK company for like just a very short few months. And I was like, okay, this is not working. You guys aren't getting anything done. So basically like <laughs> I, I do now actually have someone that I, am working with, but he's very established in the motorsports world. He's proven that he works with drivers. He knows what he's doing and he doesn't charge me crazy, stupid amounts to do nothing. Yeah. So I would say like to all the young drivers out there, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to try to take advantage of you. And, you know, you, you, they sell this hopes and dreams of all oh, I can help you get sponsorship. But at the end of the day, even when you do have a great manager with you, you are the driving force behind your program and behind your dreams. So you can't just expect that someone's going to come in and all of a sudden find you the sponsorship. You will always have to be the driving energy behind your program, no matter what. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, any any sponsorship agent that says, I'll work for you for commission only, I just immediately don't believe. Um, they, they just won't put the work in. And and if, you, if you're on a retainer, um, you... you you won't put the work in because you're getting easy cash. Um, it's a no win. I think you're doing the right thing. I mean, to have somebody on your side who probably says, look, I'm not going to charge you a, um, a crazy amount of commission. I want some commission if I get you something, but I'm not going to charge you a retainer, but I have an amazing black book. And if you come up in conversation or I find a brand that happens to fit, then great. Um, but yeah, it, that, it, that's generally the best, yeah. best uh, working relationship that I've found. And 
but understanding that like I do all of my own sponsorship work. Like I'm the one setting the meetings. I'm the one creating the packets, the decks. And like, I think a lot of young drivers, well, one, we don't really know how to do that. And we don't know like the structure, like the phases of going through and building a sponsorship. We don't know what those are. And then we also don't know that building a sponsorship, especially for those very large dollar amounts can take years. So understanding that it's going to take that long amount of time to build the trust and relationship for someone to invest in you that much. Yeah. And also I think brands, they expect stuff now. You know, it's not like you can just go, I'll put your logo on the side of the car. You know, you you have to think about, you know, CSR and charities and, you know, what can I offer that's different and what experiences can I give them rather than just, you know, there's your logo on the car and you might get a couple of seconds broadcast time. It's a, it's a hugely challenging um, thing. So fair, fair dues for getting that far. Um, now, we know you from, well, th- this side of the pond, we know you mainly from W Series. Um, you know, this series that came along with a big bang um, founded by Catherine Bonmure, had David Coulthard involved with it. Um, Jamie Chadwick's obviously won it three times now, um, and, and we've seen the challenges that she's had, which sort of point to some of the issues potentially with, with W Series. But how did it first come on your radar? When did you become aware of it, and where did that approach come from? Uh, I first heard kind of there were whispers of an all-female championship that was going to come together back in 2017, and then I really started hearing formations of it in t- later 2018, and then they reached out to me, asked me to submit my resume um, and an application. So that that's originally how I got involved. And then they eventually invited me to the first evaluation event that ha- took place in uh, Milk, Austria. And it's quite a it's quite a full on evaluation. There's a lot of different things that you have to do, but you you got through it. Um, you got into the the full W series. Um, what did you make of it? You're coming into it fresh, as in your own words. You know, you've you've not done a huge amount of racing up until that point. H- how did you find that transition to racing in a in a full on championship with some competitive drivers and some competitive machinery? Uh, it, I mean, it was amazing. It was definitely like kind of you hit the ground running. Um, especially being an American, I'd never been to any of the tracks, right? So it was a it was a big transition. But I also happened to to be working in and living in the UK that same year I'd moved to the UK in 2019. So I think that actually really kind of helped that whole transition because I was living, I was in the same space as, you know, the European lifestyle. So I think that really helped me have some benefit. And I worked for Renault at the time, now Alpine, and, you know, they offered support in whatever way they could to make sure that I was successful. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, but it was, it was a definitely a big challenge. I think I entered the 2019 season as the least experienced driver on the grid by far. Like, I think they had like number of races listed on our hero cards and mine was 12 and like Alice Powell was like 300 yeah. and something. And I was like, Oh man, here we go. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's some competitive drivers in there. Um, it's a challenging series. It must've been weird for you. What was the culture shock like? Cause you're coming from Colorado in the States, young woman coming over to the UK, um, to Enstone of all places where there's not an awful lot there. I mean, those that have been to the Enstone factory, um, you know, it's, it's a bunker and, and there's, there's bits and pieces there, but it's, you know, there's nothing around there apart from a few country pubs and some 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 small A roads. What what did it feel like? Were you like, what the hell am I doing here? This is ridiculous. 
Um, I actually, well, I did get a different transition. I lived in Milton Keynes first when I was working at Nissan and Infinity. Lots of roundabouts. And then I transitioned Good. into Vista. Yeah. So um, it was, um, I guess I grew up in a small town. So the, the sparsity of it didn't surprise me so much. And I really enjoyed like, you know, the peaceful, the English countryside. Um, but yeah, it was, it was different. And I actually, I really enjoyed it though. Like, you know, racing karting, I'd, I'd raced in Europe a, a few times. And so had, you know, exposure quite often to European competitors, but I'd never lived in Europe. So yeah. that was, um, very different. And anybody that knows the other way transition, right? Like coming to the U S yeah. we have access to, I want to just say our way of life is very, it's much more accessible. It's very easy. Like if you want to go to a bank, we have drive-through banks. We have drive-through car washes. We have unlimited drive-through food places. Like, and you can go to one store, and the one store has absolutely everything that you wish to buy. Like, you don't need to go to several different ones. <laughs> so it was kind of funny yeah. coming to the UK. Like, okay, I gotta go to this store, and then I gotta go to this one. And I don't even know if this looks like a store because it looks it's in like such an old building. And yeah. so it was it was a funny transition. And also just, you know, going somewhere like Enstone and, and pottering around the, the little towns and villages around there, just being an American, everyone's like, whoa, this is exotic. Where have you come from? It's it's a <laughs> yeah. it must be a, a strange shock. Well, let, let, let's talk about the W series a little bit more. It's it's obviously it's had its peaks and troughs. It it came out as this kind of, I suppose with this mission to get more females into racing. So let's increase the pool of, of young racing drivers. If you can see it, you can be it and all this kind of thing. And, and I think it did that for a while. And I went to the race in the first, was it 2019, the first one, wasn't it? I, I went to the final race of the year at uh, Brands. And there were loads of young girls there and, you know, five, six years old, looking up to people, you know, like Jamie, yourself, Alice, whoever, and I thought, this is great. This is really working. And then COVID hit and a few things happened and it came back and the, the narrative seemed to change from we're getting more females into racing to this is a destination. Where, where does it sit in your mind? And with everything that's gone on of late, with the issues they've had, not finishing the season, do you think we'll see the W Series come back? It's, it's hard to know. Um... I definitely appreciate like what the W series did for, for me and for so many of the other women that, you know, we weren't racing in full-time championships. We didn't have access to, to racing on these tracks on this, on the F1 or DTM weekends. So it created an amazing opportunity for a lot of us. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, but I think that, yeah, some because like Jamie or Alice or Emma Baitska, all those, you know, top contenders, because they haven't moved on, I think that's kind of what have put doubts in people's mind. Um, but I really hope that, you know, it shows that if those, those girls are struggling to get funding after, you know, they've proven that they have great value on track and they still can't get the funding to move into the next thing. Like we've got to notice that that's the core of the problem, right? Yeah. Like it, it's great that W series is bringing exposure and, you know, the new F1 feeder series that now is going to come out. It's, it's great that they're bringing the issue to discussion, but the core problem of it not being funded is, is still, it's still going to exist yeah. because even create seats for 18 women in W series and you create 15 seats. I think it is in the feeder series. That's not a whole lot of seats and being able to move up after that is the problem. Like that next step is the problem. Yeah. It's, it's uh, it's such a difficult one. I do worry slightly for the future of the W series. You mentioned the the new F1 Academy that has been released which came out publicly saying, you know, we're, we're basically we're going to work hand in hand with W Series. We hope to see them back. And, you know, we're not competing against each other. And a W Series is still the pinnacle as far as um, the destination for female races goes. But I, I find that very hard to believe. It's, it's hard to believe that F1 would bring out an all-female series and happily put it alongside W Series. It's, it seems a bit odd to me, but you never know. And, and there's more than equal and other things cropping up, which are good. I just worry at the moment that nothing the needle hasn't moved you know that there's some female drivers that, like alice who's done well in w series she's she's got a i think she's a simulator driver for um envision racing in formula e which is good but it's not great you know she's not racing for them so there's still it still feels like there's an awfully long way to go but touch wood I'd, i would love to see w series come back i you know i really hope it does and, and perhaps we'll see you there in the future um but um, role models, people like Jamie, who have done very well in W Series, have raced in F3 against the boys um, and had some, some success. How important are the likes of Jamie? And, and do you think they are moving the dial a bit? Are, are we creating a, um, an environment where young racers can look up to these people? Absolutely. I think it's not even just young women racers. I feel like there's young men racers that are also like coming up and, and saying like, Hey, congratulations. Like, that's awesome. We, we want to see more women. And it's definitely a, a big difference. Like noticing how the younger generation views women in the workplace in motorsports because they're more used to seeing women in that role. And I think that is going to be a big um, helping hand as we progress forward because it, it becomes the norm for them to, to see that. And so hopefully, you know, corporations see that as well. And they start to have that attitude and realize that they have to invest in women just as much as they're investing in men. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it, it's, there was a quote the other day by um, I think it was one of the international women, I think women in sports league. And they said, you know, People invest sponsorships in men on what they could do on their potential and think about how many sporting leagues or sporting events people throw a ton of money into because they think it's going to be great and it fails, but they're not willing to take a risk on a female on her potential. 
has to be, oh, well, are you performing or not? Or, and I think that's, that's kind of also the, the perspective that we need to change. We have to, you know, believe in our young women just as much as we believe in our young men. Yeah, 100%. And I think also, it's, you know, it's not just women, is it? I mean, it's the whole diversity and inclusion piece as well. You know, I, I can think of, of one or two um, gay or lesbian or LGBTQ plus racing drivers. I mean, you've got Charlie Martin, who I know well, who's been on the podcast and we're friends. Um, and she's got an incredible story, but there's not enough of that out there either. You know, there's, as far as I can tell, having, you know, I'm fortunate enough to go to quite a few F1 races and other kinds of races. And outside of the marketing teams, or, you know, there are some women in, in high positions in F1 teams, granted, but I'm not seeing female racing drivers. I'm not seeing fe- um, LGBTQ racing drivers. Um, I'm not seeing gay people openly in the paddock. You know, it's, this, it feels like there's still an awfully long way to go until this really becomes something that's, uh, until our sport becomes fully inclusive. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I agree. But I also, I guess, want to look at it positively because we wouldn't have been having this conversation, I don't know, seven years ago. Yeah. So the fact that we're already here, I guess I'll, I'll take that as a win, but um, definitely agree that it needs to change faster. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your future. Um, 2023, you are going to be uh, in the Porsche Carrera Cup North America racing a 911 GT3. You must be hugely excited for that. <laughs> yes, it is an amazing car. Um, I've only got to drive it so far at the Kelly Moss shootout, um, but it was it was pretty impressive. I, I did not expect it to have that much potential uh, within the car, and especially coming from open wheel, right? Like, the car so much drives itself. Like there's so much technology in the car that you're just like, this is, this is crazy. But um, yeah, I'm very, very excited. And what are the expectations? Do, have you set yourself any expectations or goals yet for next year? Um, I guess it, it's going to be difficult. Obviously I got, I got injured and I yeah. had to take most of this, this year off because of returning from surgery. But, you know, I feel like I can just jump right back in, especially with all the preparation that I'm, have been doing and am doing on the off season before the, before the racing starts. Um, the goal is to, you know, fight for that top spot always. And I'll be with Kelly Moss and they are the best. And I feel very confident that they, they can provide me with the tools to be successful. Oh, that's exciting. Now coming from North America, um, you have NASCAR, you have IndyCar. I love my IndyCar. Um, <laughs> it's the, it, I guess, you know, you, I mean, you could argue the toss about IndyCar and NASCAR and which you prefer and which is the better route. And for me, it's IndyCar. Is, is, is that, as a, as a North American racing driver, would that be the goal? Is that where you'd like to see yourself? Can you imagine yourself on the Indy 500 grid one day? A very quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsors at F1 Experiences. F1 Experiences offer a wide range of packages that come direct from Formula One, giving you a unique experience of the pinnacle of motorsport. Official ticket packages come with the very best race tickets, first-class hotels and transfers, and unprecedented access, including driver appearances, private pit lane walks, behind-the-scenes tours of the illustrious F1 paddock, team garages, the famous podium, and loads more. It's the closest you can get to Formula One, and thanks to F1 Experiences, Motormouth listeners can get 5% off your next F1 Experiences package by using the code MMPODCAST when booking online at f1experiences.com. 
Oh, that is, that's always been the dream. Like since I was a kid, like, I mean, obviously I, I found out about F1 much later. Like it's not as well known in the U S but when I did, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. But IndyCar, um, you know, you get to grow up watching your idols, like any Castro Neves and power. And so that is, that is for me, the, the goal and like the dream always, um, it's very difficult to get there, obviously. Um, but Things are looking up, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of support right now to bring a woman back to the grid. Absolutely, and uh, it's, I always think it's a shame that we've never seen the likes of Scott Dixon in F1. It would be so. I cool. know because he, he's you know you look at he's such a quality driver. I mean, he's been at the top of IndyCar for yeah. years, and to see him compete with the likes of Lewis Hamilton and whoever you know would be such a treat. But. I, I, it's just not going to happen, is it? But we do have a American driver on the grid next year in the form of Logan Sargent, who's um, thankfully got his super license points. It, what's the impact that has in, to, uh, in terms of Formula One in the States? Is that Does that even make the newspapers? Does that hit the headlines at all in the sporting world out there? I think it does, but... I honestly feel like the biggest driver behind more Americans getting involved in F1 is I hate to say it, but it's drive to survive. Yeah. Like my friends watch it. They had no interest in racing before. And now they're all asking questions. They ended up coming to Coda in 2021. Like that is what got people excited. But now that they know about it and they know the exciting potential of it, then I think they're going to be more excited that we finally have, you know, a young American driver coming in yeah yeah it's it's brilliant to see and and I, I can't remember where I was reading it earlier today there was an article I was reading about super license points and, and trying to make the um is it the Mazda Road to Indy the uh the, the sort of equivalent of the June mm. some of the junior yeah so you know making some of these points you know you go through Indy lights into uh Indy car and and making Formula One more accessible to US based drivers now that we've got the three races and the popularity of Austin I mean I read earlier today there's four four 440,000 people attended that race, which is a ridiculous number yeah. uh, to any for any country. So um, hopefully we're going to see the uh, the F1 scene continue to boom in the states um, and and more and more racing um, drivers from America. And we've you know we've got Haas there now. We've got three races with Vegas coming. Are you going to go to Vegas? Going to try and get there if you can remortgage your house? Maybe we'll see. Um, there is. There is a, let's just say with what I'm doing next year, I might see you on the other two weekends. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, uh, it's, I mean, the Vegas race, I'm hopefully going to be there. But the trouble is, if you want to go and you want to, well, if you want to get hospitality in Vegas, you can kiss goodbye to $25,000 quite quickly. Um, yeah. For, for a three-day ticket. Um, which, it's uh, it's going to be a lot. Um, unless I get asked to go work, I probably won't go. Yeah. No, well, that's the only way I'm going to get there is, is just to slave away. Um, do you have a hero? Is there a, is there a racing hero or otherwise, or perhaps there's somebody away from racing that's inspired you? Is, is there someone that you've always sort of idolized and looked up to? Um, I, I, I mean, I really looked up to my dad, obviously when I was a kid, you know, your dad's a hero, but um, actually, as I learned more about like F1 and the culture and I learned of Jim Clark's story, he kind of became my, my hero, I would say. So yeah, I would probably say him. And then as far as like IndyCar goes, um, I, you know, I grew up watching, uh, LEO. So I guess he was such a big personality 
um, I, I would say he was probably somebody that I looked up to as well. I wonder whether we'll see, you know, so it's, we've sort of had F1 silly season now with the racing drivers, um, you know, hopping, hopping around in different seats. I wonder if we could ever see the likes of like a Daniel Ricciardo, you know, hop across to IndyCar like Roman Grosjean's done it others and been successful. I mean, how cool yeah. would it be to see uh, Ricciardo out in the States? I think they'd, they'd enjoy him out there, wouldn't they? Honestly, I feel like it's just a matter of time. Like, it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen because he loves the U.S. Yeah. Like he, he's, yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Fingers crossed. Uh, do you have any talents outside of racing? Like, wh what What was the backup plan? Was there a backup plan? Uh, the backup was engineering. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that, that would be the backup plan. So you're, you're, you're handy with tinkering with cars and the, the science behind them. So you, you that feedback thing that, that, that mechanics and engineers crave, I guess you're pretty good when it comes to that. Uh, I, I tend to be pretty good at communicating with my engineer um, just because I know like from their perspective what they're looking for. So I think it, it does come in handy. So good at racing, good at engineering. What are you useless at? What are you completely crap at? Uh, I'm not very, I mean, I'm not that great at skiing, I guess, but I haven't done what? it very much. Yeah, you're from Colorado. They have, doesn't it, isn't it always snowing in Colorado? Yes, but skiing was another expensive sport. So True. it was like affording to go and uh, pay for the ski pass, buy the skis. Like yeah, yeah. it was another, another, uh, another thing on top of it. So uh, yeah. it wasn't, uh, wasn't ideal. So you're the only person in Colorado that can't ski. I can ski. I'm just not like Lindsey Vaughn or anything like that. I can ski black diamonds, but I'm not like gonna, you know, do a backflip or anything. Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay. It put you on the spot here. If you could have, dinner with any racing driver from any era who would it be and why oh that's a tough question any racing driver from any era yeah i guess maybe fangio just because it's such a different time that i wouldn't have known like it would be interesting to get his perspective yeah that's fair. I think it'd be interesting to go with one of the older drivers. I always thought it'd be nice. You know, Mike Hawthorne, British driver who went, went um, race for Ferrari, uh, absolute legend, Di died actually in a, in a road accident, but one of the, uh, the original British greats. I think it'd be fascinating to hear from someone like him if we could bring him back. Now, we have a final three questions which we ask all of our guests. These are brought to us by our friends and sponsors, F1 Experiences. And listeners, don't forget... If you want to go to an F1 race and get close to the action, there's loads of packages online. Go to f1experiences.com. If you enter the code MMPODCAST when you check out, you get a tidy little 5% off. Um, the first of our three questions, Sabra, what's got you excited at this very moment? What's got me so excited at this very moment? Yep. Racing uh, or otherwise. Well, Could be anything. I mean, obviously, I'm excited for next year. Yeah. But I guess like a, a more fun answer would be in the states. Tomorrow is a national holiday. It's Thanksgiving. Yes. So we get together. We eat a bunch of food, probably way too much. So I'd say that that's kind of a nice, um, a nice little downtime and and reconnect with family and friends. Do you have the Friday off as well? Um, I think it depends on who you're working for, but usually, yes. Usually you have Friday off. Yeah, nice. Uh, okay, good answer. Um, number two, how much of your success do you put down to luck and right place, right time? And how much do you put down to sheer hard work? Uh, 
Uh, I would say hard work and creating opportunities, probably 95%, lucky five. Nice. Final one for you, always my favorite. And we had some really random answers recently. What are you scared of? What am I scared of? Um, I don't like snakes. I mean, I'll like, I'll, I'll fight it if I need to, but I don't, don't like snakes. And for those who are listening to this, not watching, you just did a sort of karate chop kind of scenario. Is that, <laughs> does that tend to be your, your go-to defense mechanism when approached by a snake? Um, usually it's probably getting something like large that I can hit it with. Yes. But more, more than the karate chop. I don't feel like that would be very effective. Unless it was right on the back of the head. Just a swift blow. <laughs> uh, we had, um, I got, who was it recently who, uh, it was another female driver. No, it was uh, Ariana Bravo, who, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Ariana. Um, she's doing a lot of Formula One presenting over here at the moment. She's, she's becoming, she's sort of a rising star um, in front of the camera. And uh, she, uh, she shares the same fear as me. And I can't remember the name of it, but it begins with T. And it's a, it's, I've got to stop bringing this up on podcasts because I'm going to get a reputation. But people, she and I are both scared of multiple small holes. What? Have you ever heard of this? No, so I've if, never heard of that. So if you, it makes me feel weird just thinking about it. But if I see, there's this pl dried plants you can get that have like tiny holes in them. Or you could have like, a, yeah. like a, if a hand was covered in tiny, tiny, lots of tiny holes. Ooh, the thought of that completely freaks me out. So her and I share that. In fact, I think we've had three people now that share the same thing in 150 episodes who have, it's called trichophobia or something like that. It's an actual I've thing. I've never heard of that. You may have it because it's really common. So when this is finished, just Google fear of tiny holes, see what pops up on your phone and just see the reaction. Yeah, but I have. feel like tiny holes don't bug me. Trust me. I feel like there's so a, many inappropriate things that could be made. Yeah, this is true, but it, it's it's a terrifying thing. Anyway, I'll leave you with that thought. Final thing with you, I'm going to, this is um, a, a bit of a cheat. We usually ask final three. I'm going to ask a final four because it's so important that we, we continue to spread this message about inclusivity in motorsport. So what other pearls of wisdom, what other guidance would you give to young up-and-coming racing drivers Male, female, LGBTQ, whatever background they might be from, you know, even if you could look back and tell, uh, give yourself, your 14 or 15 year old self, a little bit of guidance, what, what sort of thing would you say? Um, I would probably say two things. I would say get very clear about what it is your goal is, which you may have in mind, but be very clear about how you need to get there because I don't think a lot of young people are. I don't think they really understand the hard work step-by-step step that they're going to have to go through. So ask people for advice. People love to give free advice. They love to give back. Ask some mentors. They'd be willing to help you. And then I would say also showing up. Just show up at racetracks, at network events. Have a business card. You never know who you're going to meet. And the fact of you just being there and showing that you're willing to put in the work and pound the pavement, they say, goes a long way with a lot of people. Great words to finish on. Thank you so much. Um, well, listen, all the best. Um, for, well, in, first of all, enjoy Thanksgiving um, tomorrow. Um, have a lovely Christmas. All the best for 2023. It sounds like it's a hugely exciting year for you. 
Um, I'm sure we'll see you in a paddock soon. But for now, Sabra Cook, thank you so much for joining us on the Motor Mouth Podcast. Thank you so much. Before you go, one final reminder to check out F1 Experiences, the official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula One. F1 Experiences is the closest you can get to the sport. Official ticket packages, which include the best race tickets, first-class hotels, travel and exclusive behind-the-scenes access across a Grand Prix weekend. F1 Experiences offer packages like no other. So, to book your F1 Experiences package, head online to f1experiences.com and if you enter the code MMPODCAST, you'll get 5% off as well. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumours quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review. And until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast.